Hallelujah. You bring your Bibles. <clears throat> Amen. This is the most important thing in your life. There is nothing more important in your life than the Word of God. Are you ready? Make your declaration with me. This is my Bible. I live by its truth. I walk in its light. I rest in its promises. I'm empowered by its love. I overcome by the faith produced from receiving this seed sown into my heart. Father, I thank you this morning in Jesus' name that by your Spirit, you will move and bring clarity of understanding to our mind. Our eyes will see, our ears will hear, and our hearts will receive your living word that works to transform us and conform us into the image of your Son, Jesus Christ. In his name we pray, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. Well, I want to read quite a bit of scripture with you this morning as we begin uh, in this, and all of them are there on your outline and be going to everyone. We're going to read every passage on the cover of your outline this morning. Begin in John chapter 19, and uh, that way you know where I'm going. But John chapter 19, <clears throat> and uh, this message this morning is... Uh, more of a preaching message than a teaching message. And this morning, I'm, I'm here to make a declaration. And that declaration is just this. It is finished. It is finished. Think about that. The last three words that Jesus uttered on the cross is, it is finished. We go, okay, cool. But we never stop to ask the question, what's it? What is the it that is finished? So this morning, that's what we're going to preach about. But Jesus, I want you to read it. John chapter 19 and verse 30 says... It says, and, and uh, so when he had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. Bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. So powerful that Jesus at that point gave his life. He, he gave his life. Now go with me to John chapter 10 and listen to what he says there. In John chapter 10 and verse 11, he says this, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. So how many understand that Jesus has given his life for you? That's what he did. He chose to give his life for you. God sent his son. He chose to come. He gave his life for us. Verse 17 says, Therefore, my father loves me because I lay my life down that I might take it again. Verse 18, No one takes it from me. They did not take Jesus and crucify him. He gave himself. To be crucified for you. Nobody took him and put him to death. He gave himself to the cross. That's what he says. I have power to lay it down. And I have power to take it again. This command I have received from my father. So Jesus is declaring it is finished. And it is finished is connected to him giving his life and also taking it back again. Go with me to Colossians chapter 2. And I want to read a declaration. Let's just declare a little bit about what the it is. Colossians chapter 2 and beginning in verse 4. Says this, now this I say, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words. 
Now, Paul is writing because what happened is, is with the preaching of the gospel and the, the, the growth or the development of the church and congregation stuff, people would rise up and they begin putting their spin on the gospel. They begin adding to or taking away from the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ and, and really uh, watering down, if you would, the declaration of it is finished, of, of the complete work of Christ, trying to add something to it or declaring that it really didn't accomplish all that it accomplished. Verse 5, for though I am absent in flesh, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the steadfast of your faith in Christ. Verse 6, as you have therefore received Christ the Lord, so walk in Him. Somebody say, in Him. There is a truth that is a great study and that, that you would do. It's called the in Him reality. Every time that it says in Christ, with Christ, through Christ, everything about that applies to what you have received and what's been imparted to every believer in the declaration of it is finished. We are now in Christ. You were in Adam. You were in Adam. You were born into Adam. Now you are born again into Christ. 1 Corinthians 15 will tell you if you read it, there are only two men in the earth. When God sees the earth, he only sees two men. He sees those that are in Adam and those that are in Christ. If you're in Adam, you're still under the curse and you're dead to God. But if you're in Christ, you're under redemption and you're alive to God. That's all he sees. He doesn't see you just as an individual. He does, but now he sees you no longer just as you. He now sees you in Christ, his son. And so Paul writing here, when you hear Paul's writing, Paul just breaks it down so explicitly when he writes. That we so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Verse 8, beware lest anyone cheat you. Uh, the, 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 the literal translation of that is plunder you or take you captive. Don't let anybody plunder you or take you captive. How? Through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men. We have too much religion that is according to the tradition of men and not in the truth of it is finished. So hear me this morning. According to the basic principles of the word world and not according to Christ. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you are complete in him. Who is the head of all principality and power. So who has all the authority? Jesus. And where are you? So you are in His authority. Amen? Verse 11. In Him. Woo! Here you are again. You were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with Him in baptism, in which you also were raised with Him through faith in the working of God who raised Him from the dead, and you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, has He made alive together with him, Christ, having forgiven you all trespasses. Amen. Just say this with me. I am forgiven. Amen. 
You've been forgiven all trespasses. Verse 14, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Having nailed it to the cross. In fact, I was going to do this in first service. I meant to do what I come up. I'm just going to bring the cross with me this morning. Amen. I want you to keep that picture. Sit. Stay. Stay. Amen. Now watch. Having nailed it to the cross. Now watch this. Verse 15. Having disarmed. Having disarmed. Principalities and powers. Having disarmed principalities and powers and made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. In in it what? In it is finished. It is finished. Therefore, let no one judge you in food. Or drink, or regarding a festival, or new moon, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. Amen. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. First Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, Paul says, I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech, or of wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God, for I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Amen. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 14 says this, But God forbid that I should glory except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the whole world has been crucified to me, and I to the world. Last week I preached a message to you entitled, What's Next? Speaking to you about the disciples and where they were and after the crucifixion, after being with Jesus, after his resurrection, they're still trying to figure out what to do. And we read where Peter just says in John chapter 19, says, 20, he says, I'm going fishing. And he goes back to what he used to do. And so many times that's what happened to us. We walk in life, we have an encounter with God, and we just seem to go back to our old natural way that life was. We're not to go back to who we were. We're supposed to live in who we are now in Christ. Amen? And we live in the, in, with the full reality of what it is finished means. We live in that victory, and then we are to share that message with others. Look at the cover of your outlines. We walked through this quickly this morning. The declaration, it is finished. Leonard Ravenhill, I love this. He says, the greatest words ever uttered by the greatest man that ever word, lived. It is finished. Those are the three greatest words uttered by the greatest man that ever lived. He is the only man who ever divided time. We are now in A.D. Before the cross, before Calvary, it was B.C. But his death, his burial, and his resurrection caused us to change the calendar and the way we count time. 
affected by his life. These three words contain the Alpha and Omega of God. Is there any wonder that Paul declared, all I know is Jesus Christ and him crucified? You could spend your entire life exploring the depth and the truth of these words and never find the bottom or the sum, never fully comprehend or come to the full value. If you ever behold him in the beauty of his holiness, he will take your breath away. Something about Christ, we should be so captured, so enraptured with who he is and what he has done for us, it should literally leave us breathless. If we ever see his holiness, holiness just means this, separated by and for purpose to God. When we live in holiness, we say, God, I'm separating my life. I'm, I'm not going to allow those things to have a part of my life or to have partake in me. I'm not going to let life touch me. I'm going to separate myself and just give myself wholly and completely to you. The problem is, though, we want to know the truth today in its entirety in 30 minutes or less. That's where we live today. Hurry up, tell me, get this over with. Uh, you know, I, I got a schedule to keep. I got life to do. Get in, get out, get on. See, we want the Rachel Ray version of Christianity with all the power and provision of heaven behind it at our disposal and subject to our beck and call. We want to be equipped to change our world on our coffee break. Tell me, inform me, answer all my questions, inquiries, concerns, and doubts in 30 minutes or less, and I will listen. But please hurry, I need to get back to my life. We would spend hours. See, we could spend hours every day and night and still come short. There's a reason the early church was daily in the temple and house to house. Let me put you like this. I encourage you, get plugged into a life group. And then after you're in a life group for a while, open your home to have a life group in your home. Why? It's so important. One message every now and then is not going to give you the victory. Amen. I'm one of the greatest preachers on planet earth. You missed a good place to say amen. I don't care who you're listening to preach. It's going to take more than just one little sermon every now and then for you to walk in the reality of it is finished. It takes more than just a good word. It takes more, get this, it takes more than my preparation to produce your victory. I can prepare, I can pour over, but it, I, could, I could be here all afternoon just going through what it means to be, it is finished, if you had a hunger and an appetite for it. But about 35 minutes into this message, some of you will start shutting down. But think about it. This is also why they had such an impact on the culture and society of their day. Because they didn't just hear about him, they knew the answer, and the answer is Jesus Christ. And that's why we don't walk in the power. We don't see that. That's why too many Christians are overrun and overtaken by the adversary because we don't live in the reality that he triumphed over all principality and power. They are disarmed. And instead of standing up and resisting the devil and saying, dude, get out of my way. You were finished over 2,000 years ago. I'm the one that is walking in the authority. Amen. Amen. Look inside your outline. I believe this. I need, believe we need to put Jesus back in the religion that bears his name. The finished work of the cross is more than an Easter drama. 
I'm always amazed. Easter and Christmas, people come out for the pageantry, for the, the spectacles and, and all of that. But all of the drama and all the pageantry, most of the time isn't enough to get half of them back the week after Easter. The resurrection didn't have enough power to last one week in their life. I think I just preached this morning. The Father now, hear me, the Father now sees you as Christ. You are righteous in, you are righteousness, you, <coughs> excuse me, your righteousness is now in Him. You no longer stand by any merit of your own. It's all by grace and through faith. All are in one. The problem with us is that we get saved and just a little bit sanctified and we get a bunch of spiritual pride. And we think, start thinking we're all that and a happy meal with a toy. <laughs> Amen. And we look down at others and we think about others when really we didn't get, you don't come with anything of your own. It's all him, by him, for him, and in him. We bring nothing to the table. You see, here we are faced with the fact that he who knew no sin became sin for me. Reason through that. He who knew no sin became sin for you. Because that is love beyond reason. Here's the reality. Every one of us was guilty of sin. We were born into sin. We committed sin. We start sinning as soon as we can talk. We start sinning even before that. We're just, it. we're just not aware that we're doing it yet. How many know when you see your little baby, that sweet little baby, and then very long before that will begins to manifest. And you go, where'd that demon come from? Because that little, the baby has a fallen nature on the inside of him, and you end up in a battle of will against will. And then that little will, and you watch that little baby, and you say, Johnny, don't touch that. And Johnny just looks at you like this. And keeps on reaching out to touch it. Amen. No, violating. Moving against authority. Breaking out against authority. So every one of us is guilty of sin. Everyone is guilty of the penalty of death and separation from God. We've been guilty before the court. Judgment has been rendered. Death is the sentence. But once the death sentence was passed, Jesus walked into the courtroom of heaven. And he said, Father, I know they're guilty. I know the judgment is death. But this was what I present. I present my life as the substitute for their judgment. The law requires a life. And I give my life because I... I believe that my life will set them free. And if they are set free, they will live as you created them to live. And so he redeems us. He went to the cross. He paid the price. He died for our sins. And he sets us free. We cannot fathom that. Because Jesus says, scarcely for a righteous man will someone die. But Jesus died for you when we were guilty and deserving of hell. And he went to hell for us. Amen. I told someone after first service, if God would give us a picture of heaven and of hell, because the picture is what Jesus died for us to have, and hell shows us where he went to keep us out of. I died so you don't, I, I want you to see what I saved you from, and I want you to see what I've saved you to. Amen. It would change our lives. It would change our life. We would understand what it has finished means. See, so what do you do when, when your reason meets reality? Many say this, not yet, not now, not me. 
You might be here today, and you might be wrestling with God. You like coming here in a good service, like hanging out with people, but as of yet, you haven't given your life to the Lord Jesus Christ completely. You're doing religion your own way. That happens until we come face to face with the reality and love beyond reason. And then we just surrender and say yes. On Friday, I was playing golf with my son and, a, and two other men that are friends of mine through ministry. And that, we were over at Chardonnay in Napa. And we come around this one course, and we're, it's a whole number, I think it's six or something like that, somewhere in there. But it used to be the starting hole, and it's a tough hole. It's a big dock. It means that the fairway turns right, and you have to go over some obstacles here. And so the, the course marshal guy pulls up, and he goes, hey, guys, welcome here. I don't know if it's your first time, but I'll just give you some advice if you, you know, you want to... Uh, land safely. You want to play a little bit to the left here. The fairway turns. If you go too far to the right, you end up, because it's a course through all these vineyards out there, you'll ball end up out of here, out of bounds. So you want to stay to your left. And I said, man, thank you for that advice and that instruction. That really helps. And he went over and got in his cart, and I followed him. And I reached in and said, how you doing? My name's Don. He goes, I'm Dennis. I said, Dennis, glad to meet you. While I had his hand, I just said again, has anybody ever told you that God loved you so much that he gave his only son that you believe in him? And he began to pull away, and I just squeezed it a little harder. And I said that you would not perish, but you'd have everlasting life. And he goes, oh, 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 that. I said, yeah, that. <laughs> I said, that's the most important course instruction you will ever get in your life. Yeah. Okay, thank you. And they drove off. Because what did he say? Not me, not now, not yet. Because someone said he's heard that before, but he knows he has a not me in his heart and not now. But I pray. See, and that's what happened. And somebody said, well, I, I get frustrated because... When I share the gospel with people, they don't accept it. Their acceptance is not your responsibility. Your responsibility is to say and to share. They come, the Holy Spirit, that's his job. Amen? Amen. So just keep saying, keep grabbing hands and don't let go. Amen. So think about it. There's more than just sympathy. This is more than just sympathy for our problems, pains, and ills. It is ills in life. This is a complete substitution. Think about this. Jesus did not come to sympathize. He came to remove by taking to himself all the fullness of the ramifications of the fall of humanity. So many times we want Jesus to sympathize, to empathize with our situation. He said, I did right there. I sympathized, I empathized, I identified with your problem, and I did it on the cross to take your problem away. Now, rise up in the victory of it is finished and quit putting up with the attacks of the devil. Stand up. Amen. Think about it. So if you go and view the cross, the History Channel, I looked it up, and they have a two-hour documentary on its origin. The cross is the most recognized symbol in the world. Its purpose was to inflict fear and submission through dominion. Man can trace it back to 900 B.C. and the Assyrian Empire. But most of the evidence and detail is found in the crucifixion of Christ. His death was the main focus of their documentary. They studied it in detail, the hows and the whys of its practice, to go into detail on the pain and the torture and the process leading to death. They cannot fully explain that he was only there six hours before he died. And the reason they can't is because they don't understand it is finished. 
He didn't go there just to suffer on the cross. He didn't give himself up just to be tortured. He was there on assignment, on purpose, on mission for your benefit and for mine and for all of eternity. And when he got to the place where it was done, that's why it says when he had drank the wine, that means that the prophecy had been fulfilled. Once the word was fulfilled, Jesus said to John the Baptist at the River Jordan, he came to be baptized. And John says, I need to be baptized by you. Jesus says, no, suffer it to be so now that all things might be fulfilled. You read through Matthew over and over that it might be fulfilled, that it might be fulfilled. And so when Jesus had tasted of the wine, it was the last prophecy that had been made concerning the crucifixion leading up to his death. And at that moment, it says he released his spirit. He declared it is finished and released his spirit. And so the documentaries go, we don't understand because the reason they would break their legs is because the cross was torture and torment and they would hang there for hours upon hours upon hours and then towards the end of the day they would come and they would break their legs so they could not push themselves up to breathe anymore and fluid would fill in their lungs and they would suffocate and die. But Jesus, they had already dead, and that's why they pierced his side, and the blood and the water came out when they pierced the sack around his heart there, because he had already given his life. Jesus is now seated, though, at the right hand of God, the high priest was never allowed to be seated. You read through the Old Testament, the high priest walked in and he walked out. He never sat down during his, his assignment and, and during his duties as the high priest and presenting the atonement. He is never allowed to be seated, but your high priest and mine is seated by the right hand of the Father. Because his work was not completed, it was not finished, but our high priest, seated in heaven, having once and for all completed the work of our redemption. Somebody declare it with me. It is finished. Amen? Think about it. But why the gruesomeness and the extensiveness of suffering? If you do not understand the law and the curse, you will not understand the cross. If you don't understand the severity of the judgment, you won't understand the price that was paid. See, Jesus became the curse for us. And again, you are in contact with love beyond reason. Galatians 3.13 says, Cursed is everyone who hangs upon a tree. Think about it. I love the truth that not only was the law satisfied, but the curse was completely removed. I love this statement by Leonard Ravenhill also. It was removed by the one man who was worth all men. One man was worth everyone. One man worth everyone. Hallelujah. Think about this. When I look with honesty at the finished work of the cross, I have to ask myself, what can I do in comparison to what he has done for me? Do you know what the answer is? Nothing. Nothing. All of my work and efforts to be. What are you trying to be? Trying to be good, trying to be righteous, trying to be holy, trying to be this, trying to be that. It doesn't matter. Nothing that you're trying to be. They have all been useless and powerless to produce. What, can, what could I not do? What I could not do, he did for me and for you at the cross. Would you agree? See, I come to the law and I see a mirror that not only shows me the reflection of myself, but I come to grace to find that any merit of my own has been removed. 
When I come to grace, grace just says it's by grace alone. Not by any works that you have done, by faith through grace. Amen? So think about that. All that I am is now in Him, by Him, and for Him. The majority of those who try to escape the law through grace have no idea what they're saying or even talking about. Amen. People say, well, you know, I'm, I'm just not under law, I'm under grace. I'm not under law, I'm under And, and they try to get away from obedience. I tell them, you're right, you're not under law, you're under commandment. Deal with that. Amen. Because Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandment. Amen. So we walk with that. But think about it. Under the law, though, you had a chance to try. Under the law, you had a chance to try to get it right. You really did. The law, the law just said, do this and you're okay. Do this and you're okay. And, and the problem is with the law is that some people got kind of sanctimonious about it. We had the Pharisees. Remember Jesus t- telling about the Pharisee went up to pray, smiting his chest. I thank God I'm not like that sinner over there. Sound like most churches today. Amen. And I'm not like those guys over there doing that. Come on. Everybody. See, see we categorize sin and sin is sin. God doesn't categorize sin. He, he breaks it down. He, you, you know what? You, you know what God, it's, it's how. It's, <laughs> if you guys would give me more time, I would talk slower. God takes it down to this. All gossips. Not just all homosexuals, pedophiles, and murderers. All gossips are going to hell. All liars are going to hell. All unbelievers are going to hell. We categorize sin. And there's usually more gossip in the church than there is in the world. All right, I'll go back to my notes. But we were all, look at, under the law, we could be like the rich young ruler. What must I do to be saved? Jesus says, you know the law and the commandments, keep them. What does he say? I've done it all since my youth. I've kept them all. I've fulfilled all the law. The problem was Jesus said what he would say to all of us. You still lack one thing. Nobody but Jesus was able to fulfill the law. Amen? He said you still lack one thing. You love money more than you love God. Something has a greater hold on your heart than God. There would always be one thing that we would come up short. But under grace... You don't get to bring anything to the table. Under grace, you're not allowed to bring anything. It is all Christ. Amen? That's why the coolest thing about the cross, this is level ground for everybody. When anybody comes to the cross, the ground is level. No station, quality. You can't bring anything here that elevates you or gives you favor above anybody else. Because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All of our righteousness is as filthy rags. Amen? And so with that, grace gave you no chance. You get no chance. See, I'm fully convinced that God's word is true. And that it is the answer to every question, need, and issue in my life. The only limitation is my willingness and ability to hear. If you ever get convinced that this word is your answer and you just pray for eyes to see and ears to hear, it will change your life.
The problem is, though, that when I hear it, it's going to require change. It requires change. I don't get to hold on. That's why Paul said, don't let anybody. Part of the problem in Colossians with the deception and the persuasive words of man's wisdom was all the stuff people were telling you, you don't have to change to be saved. Amen. It's like going to a funeral and telling the dead guy, hey, you really didn't have to die. Christianity is death and resurrection. It is death and and resurrection. When you die, everything you were dies with you. We're not supposed to be dragging dead stuff in new life. You're there. Go, go, go back to Colossians chapter 2, but I want you to look at a verse in chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. says this, if then you were raised with Christ, wow, how are we raised? How, how are we raised with Christ? Through his resurrection. In baptism, we are buried with him in baptism. In baptism, we say, my old man is dead, and I'm now being raised up in his newness of life. Amen. So my old man died, and I'm raised with Christ through baptism. Look what he said. Seek those things which are above, where Christ is what? Sitting, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on the things of this earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with God in Christ. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will appear with him in glory. So, Lord, you are my life. I'm living in you. And, but he goes on to say, therefore, put to death. So what is the Lord saying? So God saves you, and he doesn't ask you to be perfect. But now that I'm saved, there's things that I'm supposed to be putting off, and there's life that I'm supposed to be putting on. And so God knows we're not perfect, but he still sees us as righteous. Are you doing all right? And all of our righteousness is in Him. Hallelujah. So when we believe the Word of God, my only limitation will be my willingness to hear. We don't like to hear that. People would say about Paul, oh, Paul, he writes really heavy, weighty things. People say, oh, Pastor Don, you always preach so heavy. Well, that's all right. The only thing at stake is where you will spend eternity. That's all that's at stake is getting this right. Paul said, listen to what Paul said, even at that day, who has deceived you? Who has watered this down? Who has tried to dry you away with the traditions of men and, and, and the thoughts and, and, and the mindset of this world? Don't be caught up in that, my friend. Think about it. He who has ears to hear, the Bible says, let him hear. Mark chapter 4, Jesus said the parable of the sower in that area and the condition of our heart to hear it. Hearing takes undivided attention. We must choose to set our mind on things above where Christ is seated. We must work at hearing. We must desire to hear. It takes more than just casual interest in the things of God. There will always be those who mock. When Paul preached Christ at Athens, there are people who made fun of him. Oh, that's interesting. We'll hear some more about that. But God is looking for those who have ears to hear. Hear me this morning. If you could hear these words today in the very depths of your heart, they would move you to a place 
place where the substitutional grace of God would overwhelm you and melt every wall of resistance that has been erected in your life against His love for you. You would fall before Him in true worship, captivated by His love for you. Amen. I said it in first service like this. See, so many times we, we need something to get us motivated to worship. I hope the band has a good song. I love singing worship song. I love music. I love hearing new song and, 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 and that. I love worshiping God through music. But if Jesus isn't enough by himself, if the glory and the splendor of our crucified Lord and Savior isn't enough, if I walk into church and go, I'm just not feeling it today. Well, Bubba, it's not about you. We don't come here to worship you or to please you. We are the original Me Too movement. The original Me Too movement is people who come together and say, have you been to Calvary? I've been to the cross. I've met a Savior. My life has changed. I know I'm forgiven. I'm redeemed. I'm saved. I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm on my way to heaven. And you run into somebody who goes, Me Too. Me Too. And then the Me Too's get together and we're just going to worship the one who has set us free. And we're the original Me Too movement. You missed a good place to shout. Amen. But if that's not enough, just the glory of who He is should move us to a place of worship and adoration. Hear me again. You cannot come on your own merit or any goodness that may be found in or produced by you. You can only come in the power of these three words. It is finished. All it takes is ears to hear. The worship team comes back. Hear me this morning. Every penalty, hardship, disease, bondage, and ailment of life is connected to the, is connected to the fall of man and the corresponding curse. These three words declare the curse is broken and our redemption, forgiveness, and restoration is complete and fully available for us to walk in if we have ears to hear and hearts to receive. But unfortunately, too many choose to debate, dismiss, discard the fullness of the finished work of Christ and choose to rather accept defeat when the victory is already theirs. Too many times, if we believed in the finished work of Christ, we would clip claiming sickness and disease in our body and in our lives. If we believed in the finished work of Christ, we would quit speaking fear, doubt, and unbelief over our family, over our children. If we believed in the finished work of Christ, we would quit giving in to oppression and depression and fear. We would rise up and say, no, I'm not going to walk in that. I'm not going to call allergies mine anymore. I'm not going to claim blood pressure, my blood pressure, my allergies, my arthritis, my this. I'm claiming what Jesus died on the cross and declared it is finished. I would stand up and say, I am the healed of the Lord. I am redeemed by precious blood. I am the redeemed of the Lord. Those who the Son has set free are free indeed. I'm not going to speak bondage over my life. I'm going to declare freedom in Jesus' name. Well, you know, Pastor, that's kind of radical. No, that's radical. 
that's radical and that's the truth. Anything else is things that have been spoken to you. You've been lied to. You've been deceived. It's the tradition of men. It's the lie of the devil. It's religious hypocrisy and you need to stand against it. God is a God of deliverance, a God of power, a covenant God, a redeeming God, a blood-shedding God, and he shed it for you. We can't afford to listen to the ten spies and their report of unbelief. God said, I've given you the land. They come back, yep. Yeah, that's in the Bible, but we can't have it. Yeah, yeah, he gave us the land, but it's not for today. Shut yourself up. Just shut up. If that's all you got to say, just shut up. Amen. That's a pro- See, that's the problem. We don't want to make the devil mad. We don't want to offend the devil. We don't want to offend religious spirits. I told you I was just going to preach today. I'm sorry. But rather, there's a Joshua. Listen, there was a Joshua and Caleb that stood up. And Joshua and Caleb said, hey, wait, 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 wait. They quieted the people and said, don't listen to them. Don't listen to them. We are well able to go up and to possess the land. My question to you, who are you listening to? Who are you listening to? Well, I know somebody that said they believed and they didn't get it. I don't care what happened to them. Nobody's experience, nobody's experience is going to change my faith in God. I don't care what happens to any individual. My faith is not in any person's experience. My faith is in the unchanging, unshakable, forever established, living Word of God. That's what I believe. That's all I believe. That's all I will preach. That's all I will declare. We must believe in the finished work of the cross. We must choose to cast off the robes of unbelief, to be clothed in the full armor of God, and exercise our victory through Christ, in Christ, over our already defeated foe and adversary, the devil. We read it. Jesus triumphed over all the power of the enemy. Why are you walking in agreement with the defeated devil? Because how does the devil work? The devil comes, is the one who comes to discredit God's word. He sows the seeds of doubt as tares in the hearts, our hearts to choke the word of faith off from operating in our life. The devil comes to you and says, look, your symptoms are getting worse. You, the most scriptural words you can say are shut up. I'm telling you, you need to get enough spiritual fortitude To be able to say, shut up to the devil. Because the Bible says that we are to resist him and he will flee from you. Resistance is an act of aggression and force. It doesn't mean just to to, to say, well, I sure hope this goes away. See, see what we do, we just, well, if God wants to, he could. God said, if I want to, I could. I did. Did you hear the last three words? Did you hear the last three words? It is finished well how can I know the Lord it is stand with me this morning